welcome to another episode of Mirpod Taste Buds. We are your buds, Melissa and Emily. Mirpod Taste Buds is a podcast about food, our daily lives, and how they intersect. In today's episode, what do we have? It's all about coffee. Mm. So for some people, this is a way of life. This is the first thing that you think of when you get up and it's the first thing to touch your lips in the morning. So it seemed pertinent that we covered it. Yeah, about time. Yeah, about <laughs> time. Agreed. Let's get cooking. Yeah, let's get cooking. All right, so let's travel back in time to 700 AD in Ethiopia, where there's a legend that coffee is discovered by a goat herder named Kaldi who found his goats frolicking and full of energy after eating the red fruit of the coffee shrub. Kaldi tried the fruit for himself and had a similar reaction. And just a side note here, blew my mind that this guy, (laughs) this this story existed. I never thought once about like Kaldi coffee and like why it has that name, has that logo. Yep. (laughs) Makes total sense now. Like, of course, there was a reason it wasn't just like a stylistic choice. <laughs> Goats and coffee, they go together. They go together, obviously. <laughs> so the goat story can't be proven, but we do know coffee came from Ethiopia. So that much is true. <laughs> so after witnessing their strange behavior, a monk took some of the fruit back to his fellow monks. And they too spent the night awake and alert. So of course, they would have been reacting to coffee's high dose of caffeine which this natural stimulant also serves as an inborn plant pesticide, which protects the coffee fruit from insects, which is pretty dope. Hmm, I didn't actually know that. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. In its most basic and unprocessed form, coffee is a cherry-like fruit, which becomes red when ripe, and the coffee bean is found at the center of the red coffee fruit. Early on, the fruit was mixed with animal fat to create protein-rich snack bars. At one point, the fermented pulp was used to make a wine-like concoction, And another drink appeared around 1000 AD, which was made from the whole coffee fruit, including the beans and the hull. It's pretty wild that all this little experimentation that happened before they were like, okay, this is the best way for this. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, let me try a few different things. You've got to experiment a little. Oh, of course. The wine-like concoction, I'm I'm interested. Yeah, coffee, wine? Yeah. Sounds wild. Sounds Sounds very zippy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, zippy. (laughs) Get you (laughs) fucked up in multiple ways. (laughs) So it wasn't until the 13th century that people began to roast coffee beans, the first step in the process of making coffee that we know it today. So the modern version of of roasted coffee originated in Arabia, and more specifically, modern-day Yemen. So during the 13th century, coffee was extremely popular with the Muslim community for its stimulant powers, which proved useful during long prayer sessions. (laughs) Need that coffee to pray. (laughs) That's right. Praise the bee. (laughs) The port at which beans first arrived was called Mocha. During the coffee's growing popularity and the shipment of coffee from the port city Mocha became synonymous with coffee. So anytime you hear that term Mocha when talking about coffee, now you know where that term originated. So coffee is not only enjoyed in Arabian homes, but also in the many public coffee houses. That, which also began to appear in cities across the Near East. So the popularity of the coffee houses was unequaled, and people frequented them for all kinds of social activity. Not only did the patrons drink coffee and engage in conversation in these places, but they also listened to music, watched performers, played chess, and kept on with like current news. 
Coffee houses quickly became <laughs> such an important center of the exchange of information that they were often referred to as schools of the wise. Which I <laughs> love, love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so by parching and boiling the coffee beans, rendering them infertile, the Arabs were able to corner the market on coffee crops. In fact, tradition says that not a single coffee plant existed outside of Arabia or Africa until the 1600s when Baba Budan, an, in- an Indian pilgrim, left Mecca with fertile beans fastened to a strap across his abdomen. Smuggled them out. Yeah, gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I need these. Bring these so, to the people. Baba's beans resulted in a new and competitive European coffee trade. <laughs> In 1616, the Dutch founded the European-owned coffee estate in Sri Lanka, then Ceylon, and then Java in 1696. The French began growing coffee in the Caribbean, followed by the Spanish in Central America and the Portuguese in Brazil. European coffee houses sprang up in Italy and later in France, where they reached a whole new level of popularity. So though coffee houses rapidly began to appear, tea continued to be the favored drink in the New World until 1773. When the colonists revolted against a heavy tax on tea imposed by King George III, the revolt, known as the Boston Tea Party, would forever change the American drinking preference to coffee. Classic. Like, oh, we can't drink tea anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta revolt. Coffee is the drink of the, the people. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Rebellion. By the late 1800s, coffee had become a worldwide commodity, and entrepreneurs began looking for new ways to profit from the popular beverage. In 1864, brothers from Pittsburgh purchased a newly invented self-emptying coffee bean roaster. Their brothers began selling pre-roasted coffee in paper bags by the pound. They named their coffee Ariosa and found great success selling it to the cowboys of the American West. <laughs> it wasn't long before James Folger followed suit and began selling coffee to the gold miners of California. Mm-hmm. This blazed the trail for several other big-name coffee producers, including Maxwell House and Hills Brothers. By the late 1800s, coffee had become one of the largest trade commodities in the world. But how is it produced, you might ask? <laughs> so each cherry, which is like, you know, the two coffee seeds or beans positioned flat against one another about five percent of the cherries contain only one seed which are called pea berries and those single seeds are smaller and denser and produce in the opinion of some people a sweeter and more flavorful coffee pea berries huh yeah pea berries very strange (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) so the cherries are processed by removing the coffee seeds from their coverings and from the pulp and by drying the seeds all the beans must be from removed from their fruit and dried before roasting. There's three techniques that are used for processing the coffee, and the coffee resulting from those processes is called green coffee, which is then ready for roasting. The dry or natural process, or is after picking the beans or the coffee, the cherries from the coffee trees, they are spread out in thin layers to dry in the sun. And the drying stations can be a little different depending on the farm or the region. Some use brick patios. Others, special raised beds, which enable air to flow around the cherries, thus for more even drying and to avoid mold, fermentation, or rotting. The cherries are turned regularly. It was pretty cool. When me and uh, my mom went to Guatemala, we actually like saw like a coffee farm, mm-hmm. like a coffee plantation or whatever, and saw like the whole process like from picking the cherry beans to the drying them out and churning them and grinding them down and stuff and like it was actually a very interesting process and 
I'll definitely try to share some photos of that on like our link tree and stuff. But yeah, when I was in India, there were so many opportunities to take like coffee tours, tours and yeah. we went to a spice plantation instead, which was really cool. But mm. I did want to go to a coffee one as well. Cause it's yeah. Something I wanted to see is true. Definitely worthwhile. Mm hmm. The natural process is common in regions where there's no access to water, such as Ethiopia or some regions in like Brazil. Hmm. Um, natural processed coffees definitely divide baristas' opinions in terms of flavor. <laughs> some people love them, some others hate them. The natural process definitely adds a lot of flavor to the coffee, such as fruitiness and sweetness, regardless of like a variety or a region. And com common flavor notes for natural processed coffee are blueberry, strawberry, tropical fruits, and honey. But on the flip side, they they also can be kind of like wild fermented flavors, mm. like alcohol notes. Um, and natural coffees are often described to have red wine-like flavors when compared to like washed coffees. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I definitely like want to try to like pay more attention to those notes because... I think that's interesting to yeah and like why does a dried one have these like fruity notes is yeah just because i don't know it's like closer to being the cherry why isn't there like sommelier yeah of coffee? coffee that's real right? i mean i feel like some people pride themselves <laughs> in being like that like yeah. you know those like coffee lovers that are like i have to have it at like you know this precise temperature yes and <laughs> totally for this many seconds exactly and, yeah that's real some people are really really into, into it. it and like baristas <laughs> like i think i mean now i think they're a little bit watered down and at least in america because like there's a starbucks on every corner yeah. and it's not like you're really that skilled to be like a barista at a lot of these places but i think like some finer coffee shops definitely take more pride in like yeah being a barista the there and the art of the coffee yeah. but i don't know yeah i feel like the only time i've felt like maybe Starbucks did have that vibe was like when you go to the like big roastery one. Yeah, you know, the like, like the, motherships. Yeah, the mothership ones. Yeah, like the Seattle one or like mm -hmm. I, I went to the one downtown in Chicago and I didn't really get as much of a vibe of that. But Seattle, I could see totally being like all about it. Yeah, they like explain a lot more about like the beans and the coffee. Well, when you get like a flight, they're like kind of mm. giving you a lot more of the like information that you'd expect. Totally. But yeah. So another one of the processes is the wet or and washed process. So in the washed process, all the fruit flesh is removed mechanically from the coffee bean before the beans are dried. So removing of the fruit flesh is done with a machine called a depulper. And after the depulping, the beans are put to a water tank where ferm the fermentation process will remove the remainder of the fruit flesh. The amount of time that the fermentation requires depends on the climate and the altitude. Mm. In hotter regions, the fermentation will take less time and vice versa. Usually the fermentation requires 24 to 72 hours. And if the beans are fermented for too long, it will have a negative effect on the flavor of the coffee, which makes sense. Yeah. Fermented coffee doesn't sound great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely an interesting vibe. <laughs> So after the fermentation is ready, the coffee beans are washed to remove any leftover flesh and then it's ready to be dried. So drying in, in the washed process is done similarly as it is to the natural process. So in brick patios or raised beds and to ensure the even drying, the beans are turned regularly still. So the beans can be also mechanically dried, especially in regions where there isn't enough sunshine or excess humidity. The wash process leads to bright and acidic flavors in the cup. So it's common, commonly highly appreciated among roasters and baristas due to the increased complexity and like a cleaner profile. Hmm. 
Many describe wash coffees to have white wine-like flavors when compared to natural coffees. Many farmers and producers choose the wash process because when properly done, it reduces the risk of defects and it's more stable way of like processing coffee. On the other hand, it requires more water than other processing methods, so it's more expensive for farmers and producers. That makes total sense also. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's also a hybrid process called the semi-washed or pulped natural method. (laughs) So the honey process is used commonly mainly in Central American countries such as Costa Rica and El Salvador. And the cherries are mechanically depulped, but the depulping machines are set to leave a specific amount of flesh on the beans. (laughs) Very precise. Yeah. (laughs) After depulping, the beans go straight to the drying tables or patios to dry. As there is less flesh surrounding the beans, the risk for over-fermentation is lower than in the natural process, but the overall sweetness and body in the cup are increased by the sugars in the remaining flesh. When well done, the honey processed coffee have positive attributes from washed and natural coffees, sweetness of naturals, and the brightness of like a washed coffee. So honey processed coffee are quite often referred to with colors like black, red, yellow, and white honey. The color refers to the amount of fruit flesh that is left on the bean after the depulping. So black honeys that are also black in color have the most flesh left on the bean, and white honeys are only left on a little bit of flesh. So this, of course, has an effect on the flavor of the coffee. Black honeys are like naturals and white honeys are like washed coffees. Similar to honey processing is like this pulp natural process, which we mentioned, which uses a bit more water and strips the beans fully during the depulping. And pulped natural process is mainly used in Brazilian coffees. So wild. Mm -hmm. So after green coffee has been hulled and processed, It is ready to be graded and sold for roasting. So the practice of grading and classifying coffee gives sellers and buyers a guarantee concerning the origin, nature, and quality of the product to aid their negotiations. Each coffee-producing country has a certain number of defined types and grades based on characteristics such as the growing altitude and region, botanical variety, method of processing, roast appearance, bean size and density, or any defects. And there's no universal grading or classification hmm. system. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. I guess that's also why you can't really be like a small EA. Yeah, because it's not like it's standardized like enough almost. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So obviously there are a ton of famous places for coffee. I feel like uh, all over the world. It's hard to, to narrow it all down. We're, no, we're obviously not going to hit on all of them. <laughs> but so many places have such a scene for coffee that are like worth noting so here are a few in north america pretty much the entire central american region has geographical high altitudes and climactic uh conditions that are favorable for growing coffee from pretty much mexico to panama (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah the whole whole swath yeah it's Mm -hmm. all good (laughs) cuba and specifically havana um has coffee shops with the capital of Cuba usually grinding their beans on the spot. The preparation of Cuban coffee is quite particular and peculiar. It's served very sweet and is an espresso shot full of sugar to be drunk with a single shot, usually late in the afternoon. (laughs) Colombia, on the other hand, um, has quite a bit of coffee tourism in the country, especially in the region of the Coffee Triangle between the cities of Caldas, Risaralda, and Quindio. Panama also is known for its coffee. 
Some say it's the highlight of the Caribbean due to its numerous gourmet coffees, supposedly. <laughs> and then Brazil is also one of the largest coffee producers in the world. So no shortage of places you can go and find a great cup. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got the United States. We got some some big hubs as well. <laughs> Hawaii, which we definitely indulged in when we were there <laughs> and yeah. brought back some coffee. Uh, the climate in Hawaii's Kona region is really mineral-rich v- volcanic soil, particularly of the Mauna Loa steep slopes, and ensures exceptional conditions for growing some of the world's best coffee. It's pretty much everywhere out there. Yeah, it really is. They hype it. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely brought some back for like souvenirs for people and like for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had to. Obviously, Seattle is like one of the main places I feel like that comes to mind when people are talking and thinking about coffee in America in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely considered one of the like coffee roasting centers, mm-hmm. and some even compare it to like Rome, Vienna, Melbourne, things like that in terms of the coffee culture. Um, obviously, Starbucks started out there with its inaugural store that's in Pike Place Market, which you can still visit, of course. That was pretty cool to see too. <laughs> yeah, it is. The lines are usually stupid, and it's like really a small, like insignificant store. When yeah, you it's like, of, like other Starbucks, but <laughs> yeah, nothing special. No. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pike Place Market in general is a very cool place to be, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's just like a fun, fun experience. Yeah, very fun experience. And then New Orleans is another place that kind of often comes to mind. If you've been there and you've been to Cafe Du Monde, you know about their their famous coffee that also includes chicory. And it's kind of like a unique cafe au lait experience, kind of with usually a beignet, obviously, on the side. So... <laughs> New Give Orleans me that is, combo. Exactly. It's <laughs> long since enjoyed like a super strong reputation for its coffee. Mm. New Orleans is located near the mouth of the Mississippi, obviously, which makes it a key international shipping port. And for centuries, coffee has been a major import. The t- tradition can be traced back to French New Orleans, which used chicory root to bolster their coffee supplies during the naval blockades of the American Civil War. The habit of adding it to coffee has stayed with the city pretty much ever since. Which is pretty wild because yeah. the tradition is principally associated, obviously, with Cafe Du Monde, and that place is over 150 years old, which is wild to think about. That is insane. That's yeah. pretty damn New impressive. Just got so much history. Yeah, it's one of like I would say the most like historic places. Well, I mean, I guess it's not true. There's plenty of other like older places in America, but yeah. I think they have the coolest history yeah, got in America. Dope, yeah, dope story. So many different cultures coming, yeah. colliding. I think that's what makes it so mm-hmm. exciting, for sure. And then you've got Africa with Ethiopia as like the birthplace of coffee and one of the largest producers in the world. Coffee's so important in the local culture that it's part of a special ceremony held as a friendship sign. Mm. In the ceremony, people spend hours roasting, grinding, and preparing coffee to enjoy in groups. That's so cute. It is cute. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing people together. Also, just grinding coffee all day, though? That sounds wild. Yeah. A few hours of just work? I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> What's your idea of fun? <laughs> obviously europe i feel like there's a bunch of different places that come to mind i mean rome and milan italy in general mm-hmm. it's super famous for its contributions to the coffee game like giving us espresso cappuccino macchiatos and also something called cafe de orzo which is like a barley coffee mm-hmm. um, and then of course paris i mean few other cities in the world have like a cafe culture quite like paris in particular mm-hmm. they're just all about their ornate interiors and sprawling terraces and this lovely cafe history where people would all these writers and philosophers and creatives would just spend hours (laughs) upon hours discussing all these different topics over coffee 
I'm here for that. That sounds great. Yeah. Then you got Vienna, which is Austria's capital and is renowned for its coffee house culture. And alongside that, you've got Turkey for Turkish coffee. The bean must be dark and roasted and finely ground. The drink is not typically strained, and the coffee powder is mixed with water until it boils in a kettle. And it has a special name for that called a sizve. Mm-hmm. It is served directly into the cups and in traditional porcelain cups known as finca. Since Turkish coffee is unfiltered, coffee grounds remain at the bottom of the cup, so you need to stop drinking a little before you reach the end to avoid drinking those grounds. That reminds me of when we went camping. Yeah, we, we basically did that. <laughs> we basically had a Turkish coffee. Yeah, just don't drink the bottom. Let the grounds settle a little bit. It's yeah. fine. It was still kind of nice, honestly. It was, it was a different experience, but it, it was, was good. Yeah. Still coffee. Still coffee. In Asia, uh, Vietnam, the coffee bean was brought to Vietnam by, obviously, by French settlers in the mid-19th century who employed like a unique technique for brewing um, for robusta beans. But the most popular preparation is made with a metal filter, drops the drink into the cup, and then it really produces kind of a more chocolatey, full-bodied coffee flavor. Mm. And then if you're not doing like black coffee in, in, in Vietnam, it's like you're doing Vietnamese coffee, which is also layered with uh, condensed milk at the bottom of the glass. Mm-hmm. So Vietnamese coffee is delicious. It's definitely like a nice sweetness to kind of balance out that bitterness. Yeah, I do mm. love that. So good. Mm-hmm. And then you have India. Although it's one of the world's leading coffee producers, India's tea still reigns supreme. For this reason, the production of Indian coffee beans has been focused on exporting to Europe, especially Italy. It's funny. It's like, yeah, we produce a lot, but nobody drinks it here. Yeah, you can have it. We'll sell it to you. (laughs) Coffee does still have its place, being widely consumed in the south of the country. One of the most traditional ways of drinking coffee in India is the filter kapai kapi. I don't know. One of the two. (laughs) (laughs) The drink, which goes by the name of kapi, is a strong, full-bodied mixture that contains approximately 80% coffee beans and 20% chicory. More of this chicory. Mm -hmm. It's prepared with a little milk and sugar as well. Another highlight in Indian coffee is this process called monsoon malabar, (laughs) in which the coffee beans are exposed to the monsoon rain and winds for a period of about three to four months, usually from like July to September. It causes the beans to swell and lose their original acidity, resulting in like a flavor profile that's got a more like neutral pH balance. So it's lower in acidity, more intense flavor and like very full body. Interesting. Yeah. Gotta love love those monsoons. I know, right? (laughs) Put them to use. Yeah. (laughs) Something good coming out of it. That's (laughs) nice. In Indonesia, uh, that's another producing country with a coffee culture well-rooted in local lifestyle. And the country is famous for its unique varieties and methods like Java, Sumatra, Koraja, and Gayo coffee. Mm -hmm. So in Jakarta, uh, coffee is an integral part of the lifestyle. That South Asian country is known for its exceptional varieties, including some of the ones that we just mentioned. And more adventurous coffee aficionados might also want to try its kopi luwak or civet coffee, which also happens to be the most expensive coffee in the world. Crazy. Mm -hmm. The reason it's so highly sought after is because these beans have been passed through the digestive tract of the civet cat. I forgot about this coffee. Yes. When you were asking about this, like pronunciation of that cat, I was like, why does she want to know that? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> this is that cat that does that. 
Which it's not really a cat, apparently. It's related to a mongoose. Yeah, which is also very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So this is harvested from the dropping of the civet cats. So Kopiluak possesses a unique flavor lent to it by its journey through the cat's digestive system. So even though the process might seem disgusting, the results seem to speak for themselves. And it's widely regarded as one of the most delicious and desirable blends of coffee. This Who was the first person that was like, I'm going to use this shit, literal shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to make a beautiful cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. And like, how are you not getting other things that that cat is eating? Yeah. Like, I don't, you, do you really know what you're, like, I don't know. I'm sus. Well, about the, the beans probably stay somewhat intact through the digestive system, so you just got to wash the poop off. Right? absolutely not i guess that's probably true it's probably not fully digested so there's still like some whole thing that you're picking out of this poop yeah wild delicious (laughs) (laughs) firstly civet cats in the wild are assumed to select only the best coffee beans for eating so Good on them for at least having good taste. Yeah, they're picking out the best ones for you, doing like half the work. (laughs) This provides an incredible bean-by-bean selection process, which truly selects the finest beans. Far better service than any coffee farm could provide. Since only the very finest beans are consumed by the civet cat, once the kopi luwak is harvested, it can be assured that no substandard beans have made their way into customer's batch. What a picky cat. They're like, no, yeah, no, not that. (laughs) Of course, the process of being digested by a civet cat is also vital to the final product. So aside from selecting the finest beans, the cats also do a bit of chemistry on the beans as they move through their digestive tract. So the civet cat feasts on the coffee cherry, which contains a fleshy layer surrounding the coffee bean. And then the fleshy part of the cherry is digested by the cat, but the coffee bean is relatively unaffected. Okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's good still, but sure. (laughs) Enzymes within the civet's cat digestive system do act on the coffee bean, making it less acidic, removing a small amount of caffeine, and stripping away a bit of protein. The result is a highly aromatic coffee bean with a smooth taste and one of the least bitter coffees anywhere you'll go. So labor-intensive, Rare and potentially unreliable in sourcing. Every part of making Kopiluak is a challenge. So are they like breeding these civet cats to specifically eat their coffee beans and poop them back out? Probably. Like, this is wild. What an industry. Yeah. <laughs> Would you drink it? I I never say never on things. <laughs> like, I'm always like, I'll try it once, you know? And, and like, culturally, I do think like, being polite to the culture is means trying the things that yeah. you don't think will sound good. And like if it is this prized, yeah. there must be something to it. No I one's try. going to continue eating shit beans if they're not good. <laughs> shit beans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You know? Mm-hmm. So there's got to be something to it. But I don't know. Would you eat it or drink it? I would totally drink it. Yeah. I want to see what it looks like. I want to smell it. I, the shit must smell good, honestly, if it's, if like, it's like, yeah, yeah. mostly coffee, too, mm-hmm. that it's eating. Yeah. And that, I feel like, would be more of a reason for someone to want to try it the first time. Like, who's going yeah. to try that otherwise? Yeah. 
<laughs> I got a lot of questions. I don't know. I'm curious, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we also have Taiwan. Taipei has become a true paradise for coffee lovers. It's one of the city's outstanding techniques is to cold brew made <laughs> with a long cold infusion or water at room temperature. Uh, my finch right now is... In Taiwan? Fiamo is in Taiwan. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you guys ever need a productivity app that'll keep you happy. Yeah. It's effective. Get yourself a finch. does bring me joy. So, there are many different types of roasts of coffee. So, when we went through that whole beginning part where we were talking about, like, how coffee is made, that part was like, oh my god, what? Mm. Already, I'm, like, lost. Even the types of roasts, I was like okay this is a lot yeah dark so, roast medium yeah. roast you lost me there's just so many different ways to do coffee you mm-hmm. know um that's what i think i've learned <laughs> <laughs> but essentially the longer coffee beans roast the darker in color they become and the more flavorful and the aroma then changes as well so on the other hand the longer the roast the less caffeine mm. and acidity they contain hmm okay which I was like, okay, that makes total sense. Yeah. Recently, we bought a light roast at Costco. Almost Again. killed you. <laughs> yeah, you're diving <laughs> right into the. <sighs> we buy bulk. random things in bulk, and coffee is one of them. <laughs> um, we usually buy the dark, like espresso roast beans. Those are always our favorite. Really? Like, yeah. They have another organic kind. Let's try this other organic kind. It happens to be a light roast. Like maybe we'll like it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe let's try it. The beans were so much lighter in color. I was like, wow, this is crazy. You can totally tell the difference between these. It's like so evident. The dark roast like literally looks like waxy and mm-hmm. like shiny. And the other one looks kind of like dry, like ashy. Yeah. It's like, hmm, not a good sign. Ashy beans. <laughs> yeah, <good>. ashy beans. <laughs> and honestly, after we brewed that light roast, I was like, hmm. Not a fan. Mm. I was like, okay, I actually am more particular than I thought about coffee because I just kind of used to think coffee was coffee and it was whatever. Same. Not true. Mm -hmm. Not true. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever really had a light roast, to be honest. Like, I've anyone around me has always either bought like medium or dark roast Mm -hmm. coffees. So, like, that's always what I've also bought. Mm -hmm. So, I can't even think of a time that I've tried a light one. Yeah. We also tried to make espresso with that light roast and it was trash. Yeah. It was so acidic compared to the other one. It was just like, oh, this is not pleasant. Yeah. Hmm. So. Good enough. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good experiment. That's for sure. <laughs> so coffee bean roasts are categorized by levels of light, medium, medium, dark, and dark. There is white, which is very lightly roasted beans. They're so much so that it's like pretty much they're so hard that literally you could damage your grinder if you try to grind them how'd you grind yours well this <laughs> oh, you was, had light we had okay. light so okay. th- this is even before, before that. that that's like a raw bean it's essentially it's borderline <laughs> raw basically okay. they have a higher caffeine content so like several drinks like yeah it's gonna be it'll, it'll fuck you up yeah <laughs> so there's several drinks that are known as white coffee like the flat white for example that's hmm. not actually okay a yeah. white Oh, coffee. that's not white bean. Yeah, that's not a white bean. So white they don't contain white roast beans. So don't confuse it's the It's a two. lie. It is a lie. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I was yeah. like, I, that would surprise me. If it yes, correct. <clears throat> so the white roast beans have a light, like nutty flavor. They can almost smell grassy, which Ooh. is pretty wild too. Because it's literally so close to the original green, green yeah. beans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They literally are like... <laughs> rare and you know 
yeah raw <laughs> exactly yeah and like these are also very rare like very i don't know where you would find a white roast. yeah i don't even see those on the shelves anywhere. no i don't know, think i've ever seen one which mm-hmm. i now if i ever do i'll be like what let's yeah. see it i want to smell it again <laughs> like bring but it don't buy it because you don't yeah. even like light ones <laughs> you're not gonna like it also i won't have a grinder that can grind it so yeah. also more caffeine i don't think is what i need because i buy dark roast usually like as is and yeah. it still is like too zippy for me uh-huh so i can't imagine having a more no. caffeinated bean yeah i was after we did this research that i had we bought that light roast too so i was like all right let's see <laughs> and then i was like oh it'll probably have more caffeine at least like at least that's like the one like perk to perk. it yeah. but again when do i need more caffeine never Literally, not, not often no jittery as hell already yeah <laughs> sweating through shirts legitimately the coffee sweats <laughs> are so real yes <laughs> And then you have light roasts, sometimes called cinnamon since it is a lighter brown in color and it isn't oily on the surface of the bean. They have more acidity and caffeine content, but less aroma, which makes a thin, mild cup of coffee. Sometimes they're fragrant or have like fruity flavors and are pretty popular for cold brew, which cuts Mm. down on the acidity and can make it easier on the stomach. So maybe that's what you need to do. That is what I should do. Best brewed slowly to pour over methods um, are really good for this roast. And, um, you know, it can be like blonde, half city, light city, New England, cinnamon roast. Those are all kind of names for a light roast. The other thing when you said, too, a thin cup of coffee, like that was the other thing. It just like felt really watery. Like there was like a different mouthfeel that yeah, was not the not same. What want. Yeah, it was like too thin. Mm-hmm. Too thin. Yeah, watery coffee is like not the vibe yeah, so i can't imagine i would enjoy that yeah so a medium roast has a balance of acidity flavor and aroma it doesn't still have that like oily surface on the bean um, it definitely has like nutty like chocolatey flavor notes very pleasing very versatile good for a variety of brew methods other <laughs> names for this i know right exactly <laughs> other names for this are american breakfast city regular when you see those kind of things you're probably dealing with a medium roast which i've always city. seen i've never seen like a city roast but sure i, I have started noticing it yeah. more and more now because like i was like i don't think i've seen that but yeah. i've seen the city one now somewhere else and i've seen breakfast before yeah, a couple times breakfast. like i'm like okay this has like a hidden meaning i did not realize for sure <laughs> You're actually i just thought it roast. was like i don't know yeah. it's breakfast you have coffee yeah you just made this up as yeah, well 100 <laughs> percent. yeah and then you have medium dark bold body with rich flavor with a bittersweet aftertaste like dark chocolate and roasted almonds great for french presses or espresso methods these beans are darker in color and have semi-oily surfaces decreased acidity acidity (laughs) thicker consistency and a deeper aroma you could also hear this called as full city light espresso light french viennese Mm -hmm. continental or after dinner i also saw one recently that was continental i was like yeah (laughs) fancy sounds like breakfast to me for sure again back to breakfast (laughs) but this one's not it's after dinner (laughs) and then they have my personal favorite the dark roast so think espresso think starbucks Long roast times brings out the oils, so the beans are shiny and dark brown, almost black. Strong, sometimes bitter taste. Extra bold, body, and heavy mouthfeel. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sometimes it's also called New Orleans, Spanish, Neapolitan, Italian, European, hi, French. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
And with all the coffee, you got to have all the classic bevies. Mm-hmm. So you can't talk coffee without talking espresso, I think. Um, espresso was definitely invented in Italy, likely over 100 years ago. Wow. Um, it was a con- It's basically a concentrated form of coffee served in like small strong shots but you sip those shots slowly you don't like just down it like a like a shot shot (laughs) that's a no-no knock it back (laughs) it's about taking a leisurely time and enjoying all the notes (laughs) but it is made from just normal coffee beans but they're just more finely ground and the result is a like liquid that's stronger than coffee and it has this like crema this like brown foam that forms when air bubbles combine with the soluble oils of the finely ground coffee and so that sits on top of like a properly pulled shot of espresso. And that crema really holds like a rich flavor and a lingering aftertaste of the espresso. We, I bought an espresso maker for Derek for his birthday and we love making espresso now. Yeah. I can only really imagine, like I do enjoy like a nice espresso. Yeah. And like sometimes you do just want like a little shot, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. that's really all I need. Yeah. Most of the time I can I slow sip <laughs> at that because like half the time when I get a coffee drink, sometimes I don't finish them and then I feel like yeah. wow, I should waste my money. So I have to say it is like one of the better purchases because we do. Just, it is a worthy it's one. It's nice. Mm. It's just so nice to have. And don't but, tell Ray that. No, I, <laughs> I was like, I don't have room for an espresso machine. <laughs> no, if we didn't have it in the barn, I don't know where it would go because <laughs> uh, we definitely don't have room on our counter for that either. Yeah. Um, but it has come in handy so many times too when we're just like really tired and you just like take a shot of espresso and get back to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely nice at the farm. <laughs> yeah, it's very clutch. It's very, very clutch. And like for making like espresso martinis or like mm-hmm. for fun little things like that, it's yeah, so nice. way much better. Yeah. The crema too. Like that's how he, we know if it's like a good cup or not. And when yeah. we did it with those those light beans, there was no crema. <laughs> there was no mouth feel. Trash. It was just like, uh, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> we messed up. <laughs> So one of my favorite drinks is the Americano. It's classic, of course. Mm-hmm. I like literally remember being at a music festival and waking up one morning with one of my friends and we both were just like, coffee. We need <laughs> coffee. So we were just wandering around in the hot ass sun looking for some place to get some coffee. We finally found like a little stand and we both got an iced Americano and it was the most refreshing thing I will never forget. Just walking back with that coffee to our tents, just like in bliss. <laughs> so an Americano is usually one or two shots of espresso. And then hot water is then added for extra flavor and body. It's usually like a two to one water to espresso ratio, uh, typically. But apparently it's origins go back to world war ii when mm-hmm. american soldiers were stationed in italy and they didn't really care for the strong espresso that was really favored there so they tried to recreate their beloved drip coffee from back home by adding water to the espresso <laughs> so american <laughs> like us ah, right. <laughs> we can make it better though yeah. and water it down yeah water it down. Uh, i don't want all these notes yeah it's too much <laughs> And then you got to talk the latte. I mean, that's basically all I order, I feel like. Um, Originally from Italy, a latte begins with a single or double shot of espresso. The espresso is then combined with several ounces of steamed milk to create a rich, creamy beverage that has a more subtle espresso taste. And the typical ratio for espresso to steamed milk is about one to two. The latte is then topped with a layer of foam. I do love a latte. Mm -hmm. So good. It is so good. 
So a cafe au lait, which was something that originated from France and literally means coffee with milk, is a drink made with brewed coffee and steamed milk. So typically in equal proportions. So you're not talking about espresso here. We're talking about brewed coffee, which is like the main difference. Because at first I was like, that's basically yeah, like, the same as something else. Different? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So a little less probably intense caffeine wise because it's not espresso. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a name of a Dahlia. <laughs> and is it really? Yeah. It's one of like the bigger, like kind of more like dinner plate size ones. And it's got like really just beautiful coloring. But it's like one of the most like sought after ones that people are always saying are like a favorite of growers and um, people that buy flowers. So they fetch like a higher price. So I've been wanting to get some for my garden. Yeah, something good one to have. I know. I'm curious what it looks like. (laughs) Yeah, they're gorgeous. (laughs) And then a mocha, which I used to get these. I feel like a lot when I was less into the taste of coffee. One hundred percent. I feel like it's like the intro. It's the gateway. Give me the, the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it basically tastes like chocolate milk and or like kind of like white Russians, but not. What's oh. like. But mochas yeah. are short for a mocha latte or a cafe mocha. And the basis is that shot of espresso, of course. And it's combined usually with chocolate powder or syrup and then followed by milk or cream. So it's a variant of a latte in, the, in a sense that it's often a third espresso and two thirds steamed milk. Mm. But it's got that chocolatey flavor. And you can do either like milk or dark. I just had one recently and it was like so chocolatey. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's, that's the only problem with them is like sometimes it's like honestly too much. And I'm like, that was yeah. it's it's very like rich. A breakfast drink to me yeah. too. I was like, this is like a too, too sweet. Yeah, yeah, a little too sweet. But yeah, I've, I've steered away from like as much sweet kind of stuff from like coffee and tea nowadays. So yeah. And then you got flat white. Which is not a white roast, yeah. as we've learned. <laughs> but it is made with espresso and steamed milk. It is a smaller coffee drink compared to others, with about five to six ounces total. Mm-hmm. Both Australia and New Zealand claim to have invented the flat white. <laughs> Aussies claim it in 1986, and Kiwis claim in 1989. So, who's to say? Yeah, probably Australia. You beat I was going to say, it was like, <laughs> why wouldn't you say it was earlier if yeah. you're trying to claim it? I don't understand. That's my favorite part. They're like, no, we did. We invented it, but we did it like three years later. Yeah. <laughs> you're cute. That's really sweet. <laughs> There's also a red eye that you may have seen on the menu. And supposedly this originated in the United States in the 90s. And it's also called a shot in the dark. Which I've never heard it called that. No, but these are all great names. Yeah, I was, I'm going to try and go to a coffee shop now and be like, can like I get, a shot in the dark. Yeah, can I get a shot in the dark? And they're like, what? You're going to be like, I'm going to make you a shot in the dark, which is just a random thing that I choose. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Honestly, like, when we say red eye, sometimes people don't know. Yeah, I have never honestly for. really heard of that. Really? Mm-mm. Honestly, this is basically usually what Derek gets. <laughs> um, except he often will get like a latte and add like a shot, another extra shot of espresso. But yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah. And you get like an extra, like a double. Mm-hmm. Um, so it consists of regular brewed coffee with a shot of espresso typically added into it. Mm. So the coffee has a strong bold flavor, which is perfect for those who love their coffee with a little extra, like. Pow. <laughs> um, I always make 
a sort of like noise or reaction when <laughs> Derek asks for his like extra shot in his latte, he claims. And I'm like, I don't think I do, but I do often like look at him like more. Yeah, do more. you really need yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> often he'll have coffee and then we'll still go to the coffee shop and he'll get an extra shot of coffee. I'm like, do you need the extra shot today? You had yeah. coffee earlier. Yeah, my like standard drink at like uh, Starbucks is like a chai tea latte with two shots. And I'm like, mm. do I need that? Probably not. But Probably not. I but love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It tastes great. Plus a dirty chai is amazing. A dirty chai is the best. But like mm-hmm. chai tea definitely like already has caffeine. Some caffeine. And, like, yeah. It's not really needed. But <laughs> whatever. Another classic would be the cappuccino. Yeah. Cappuccinos starts with a bottom layer of one of two shots of espresso. One or two shots of espresso. Typically two in the U.S. because we like it zippy. (laughs) A second layer of steamed milk is then added on top, followed by a thick and airy layer of foam to lend the drink a luxurious velvety texture. Yeah, they are the best. I they love a are really delicious. We went to a restaurant recently called Savannah that's like not that far away from here. And it was like mostly like Ecuadorian like food. Mm. But they he ordered Derek ordered a cappuccino and I was like instantly jealous because it came out in like a clear like glass mug and you could like see the like yes. layers perfectly Oof. and had like this big giant thing of foam on top of that. And it was, he kept getting it like all in his mustache. It was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it looked so delicious. And it had been so long since I had gotten like a cappuccino. And I was just like, yeah. damn, I need to branch out more with my coffee order. We don't really like <laughs> order them a lot, I feel like, in the yeah. U.S. But it's so common in like Europe. And like, but it, there's also a big like faux pas, no, no. Like you're not really supposed to get like a cappuccino after breakfast. That's always what I've been like told and whatever. I don't understand and, and, like, that. Yeah, I don't really understand the rationale. I don't really like... <laughs> I don't abide by that rule because <laughs> I think it's delicious and I want it anytime I want it. But yeah, no, yeah, no but that apparently that's like a, a no no there. But silly. Yeah. <laughs> so another one that's a classic is a macchiato. So traditional macchiatos is a small espresso drink made with a shot of espresso and a small amount of steamed milk topped with a dollop of foam. <laughs> so the name macchiato comes from Italian and it means marked, stained, or spotted. And I actually read something that said it was really just a way to, like, help tell apart, like, espresso drinks when they had a small amount of, like, cream in them or not. Yeah. They, like, put, like, an extra little, like, dollop or mark on top <laughs> so you could know them to tell them apart. That's like, so funny. Hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. That used to be my classic go-to was the caramel macchiato for many years. Oh, man. You and everybody else. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was such mm. a classic. Honestly, I kind of want to, like drink it again just to see if she's still good i used to like legitimately get extra caramel in them again yeah. when i didn't oh like the <laughs> just taste pure of coffee sugar. yeah it was so much caramel pretty much all Ugh. of those like starbucks drinks nowadays are just like Too a sugary sweet. drink like they're not even really coffee anymore yeah. you know yeah all those like frappuccinos and stuff but <laughs> i'm not saying they're not great but oh, that, was, that was definitely my gateway was a frappuccino exactly that was like a milkshake with barely any coffee in it a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent so funny like all these different coffee beverages are like borderline the same thing that's why when you walk into a coffee shop sometimes it's incredibly intimidating yeah i'm like what do i want hmm i don't know like they're kind of are all the same so yeah. <laughs> it's either it's espresso with 
cream or coffee yeah. with cream or espresso <laughs> with espresso. <laughs> and then this one has foam on it. Yeah, yeah. we'll throw foam on three of these. Like, yeah. Okay. It's a lot. <laughs> Can't go wrong, basically, is what I'm hearing. Though. That is the truth. That yeah. is what I'm hearing also. Mm-hmm. Which I'm going to start making like different decisions because I yeah. often, my coffee shop does know my exact order. Mm-hmm. Which is actually like really great because I go in there and the guy's like, oh, this with oat milk? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Do it and up. And then I, I got a mocha last time. He was like, oh, you're trying to trick me. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you're mixing just, it up I'm today. just trying to, yeah, try something new, man. Oh, man. To be a regular at a coffee shop, that's where it's at. It is. I really do enjoy it. And I have a punch card, and I get free coffees pretty regularly mm. because I keep going and back and getting my punches. Yeah. I think I got a punch when I, like, house set for you. Oh, I yeah. I think I gave Heck you one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Help you along. <laughs> oh, and then you have the cold brew, which I also love. Yeah. Um, which has a very high coffee-to-water ratio. It's literally a concentrated coffee drink and is much stronger and has much more caffeine than the same amount of drip coffee liquid. Which I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Derek, like, literally won't get them because he thinks they're too intense. And I'm like... He coming, thinks they're too intense? Coming from the man that gets an extra shot on top of a shot on top of a shot or whatever yeah, they're doing. Yeah, what? Like, that's I'm, bonkers. Yeah, I'm confused why you think that a cold brew's insanity. Yeah, that's weird. But, yeah. Interesting. Sure. <laughs> The coffee grounds are usually quite coarse and combined with water, usually cold or room temp, and then a specific time, either 8 to 24 hours, um, and that would like make most cold brews that you see today. The longer process of cold extraction does have a different flavor. Mild chocolate or like a mellow, low acidity fruit are common flavor notes, and they would be less acidic and smoother in general. Yeah, definitely gonna use that light roast to try and make a cold brew. I always wanted to make cold brew, and I've never yeah done it. No, <laughs> like for some reason, no, never done it. <laughs> not sure why. <laughs> yeah, not sure why. I don't have an answer. <laughs> <sighs> so obviously, most people are familiar with the sort of rise of Starbucks. We've kind of talked about this briefly before too, just how insane it was in the '90s and early 2000s. Just like how big it got I oh feel my god like. so quickly like yeah. you didn't see those anywhere no and like i never really thought about how there just weren't really coffee shops before yeah. then like it wasn't even like a starbucks in every corner and like mm-hmm. like that just like changed the coffee culture entirely yeah. in the u.s it exploded mm-hmm. it exploded for sure so pete's coffee is really the origin which is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. um, I feel like he's the lesser known. Like, I know, yeah, yeah I suppose Pete got blown over. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> so during the 1960s, Alfred Pete was a Dutch American whose father roasted coffee in Holland. And Alfred decided to bring his family's craft to California. So in 1966, Pete's Coffee opened in Berkeley. In 1971, Pete shared his coffee knowledge and roasting techniques with a couple of friends. These friends joined his staff over the Christmas season to learn the ropes of the business in order to open their own stores. With Pete's permission, they opened a coffee shop in Seattle using the coffee beans he roasted and mimicking his store layout. The store was called Starbucks. Within their first year of business, they purchased a coffee roaster and sold their own coffee bean products. They didn't even sell brewed coffee at the time. You could only get beans at Starbucks in the early 70s. So wild. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Just beans. Yeah, if you want some beans? We'll you give can't it to make you. it here. Yeah, no, we don't, no, we don't do that. <laughs> Go home. Uh, yeah, take it home with you. 
1982, Howard Schultz, a salesman who had been selling drip coffee makers, joined the Starbucks team as their director of marketing. He was extremely inspired by his trip to Milan, Italy, experiencing coffee houses on every street corner. These cafes served espresso and were a local meeting place for pretty much everybody. So upon his return, he tried to convince the owners to serve actual beverages, <laughs> but they wouldn't have it. They simply wanted to focus on roasting and selling quality beans. So in 1984, Starbucks purchased Pete's, acquiring their original mentor's business. So the next year, Howard Schultz quit Starbucks to start his own coffee company, Tugionale. <laughs> Focusing inspired on- <laughs> by Italy. Yeah, very inspired by Italy. <laughs> Italy, yeah. <laughs> He started focusing on serving quality coffee drinks. After immediate success, Schultz, Schultz purchased Starbucks in 1987. It's a very weird, like, incestual thing. It's like, yeah. you grew here, and then we acquired you, and then you broke yeah. off. <laughs> and then you bought it back. <laughs> but he purchased Starbucks in 1987 for $3.8 million. He was able oh. to combine the roasting techniques of Starbucks with the Italian concept of the cafe. Starbucks then went on to open thousands of stores with a goal of putting stores in every country, which Man. I feel like they're probably close to if they haven't yeah, already. Yeah, I'm sure they have. God, they really are everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, many of you probably know that there could be some downsides to coffee. <laughs> if you haven't abused coffee to that level or degree, congratulations. Yeah, bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, bless your fucking heart. Because it's easy to have too much coffee. Mm-hmm. And then you literally are addicted to coffee. Yeah. And it, literally like breaking the ties with the coffee. Like I've known so many people that have had to like take breaks or stop because of like gut pains or issues or mm-hmm. headaches or like, yeah, just problems with too much caffeine in their lives. Yeah. And my number one complaint with coffee is always the coffee sweats. Like that is the number, number one, one thing I, I'm like. I hate that. Hate that feeling. <laughs> I hate, hate that. that feeling. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely anxious. like upsets my stomach, makes me anxious, yeah. makes me sweat, sweat. Yeah, jittery, very jittery. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and that, that I can get that from like one cup of coffee sometimes. Yeah, so it's like same. Oof. I know. I really limit my intake. I probably have coffee like once a week. Oh wow, that's yeah. really good. You're totally mm-hmm. in control. Yeah, yeah. I probably have it like every other day or every three days, probably at this point. Yeah. Um, but in general, moderate consumption amounts to like three to four cups daily. That's that's linked to a reduced risk of cardiovascular disease. Three like, to four cups daily. Yeah, you could have three to four cups daily. <laughs> and be fine. And that's still moderate consumption. You're still fine. You're like still good. It's almost good for you. You're reducing. <laughs> yeah, your risk you reduce the risk of, of cardiovascular disease. Your heart's pumping like Heart- a motherfucker. Oh yeah. <laughs> Type two diabetes supposedly also liver cancer and Parkinson's supposedly. Mm. So research has also linked moderate coffee consumption to a longer lifespan. Which that does not seem moderate to me either. Three or four cups a day? Yeah, that sounds aggressive. Ooh. I guess cups are smaller than you think. But. Yeah, that's true. That's not like a real cup. That, yeah. It, it, like, right? like that, yeah, that's different than what people are actually pouring in their mugs. Yeah, I have a really giant mug. So Most I'm mugs, sure I feel like, are like closer to 12 ounces. <laughs> yeah, than like, 100%. You know. Yeah, I'm probably drinking like more than I probably should be in that mm-hmm. instance. <laughs> But excessive coffee consumption can cause sleep disturbances, anxiety, jittery sensations, and heartburn. I forgot about oh heartburn. Yeah, I don't get that luckily, but yeah, I don't either. Yet, yet, yeah, I'm always afraid of it because people really seem debilitated yeah. by. It. Yeah, it's unpleasant. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. No. Mm-mm. 
And then he got decaf coffee, which why the hell are you drinking it? But <laughs> what is the point? Because <laughs> if you just really like the taste, I mean, yeah, go for it. The term decaffeinated coffee may strike some as an oxymoron, <laughs> but a number of coffee drinkers relish the taste of coffee but cannot tolerate the jolt from the caffeine. Hmm. So maybe we should be drinking yeah, so maybe <laughs> we just totally blocked it. Plus, I do feel like it would give you like a placebo effect. Oh, 100%. Just be yeah. like, I feel more awake because of the yeah. sensation that I'm used to when I have this. Right, exactly. <laughs> The main methods of decaffeination are based on chemical solvents, carbon filtering, carbon dioxide extraction, triglycerides. Mm. In all the cases, uh, to make decaf, the caffeine is removed in the green bean stage Mm. before the coffee is roasted. Regardless of the method of decaffeination, some adulteration of the coffee bean results along the way, and in no case is it 100% caffeine removed. That's interesting, too. Yeah. So coffee is something that our family has always had with like dessert. It's like always kind of been like how the night kind of winds down. Mm-hmm. Especially when you like go to a restaurant. Like I feel like that was always how like if yeah. you go to a fancy restaurant, it was always like, you want some dessert? Sure. I'd also like a cup of coffee. And yeah. You sit there and it's like a nice leisurely time. Yeah. Which we, the tradition I guess of enjoying coffee at the end of a meal it's hard to kind of pin down where it originated, but now that you kind of said that, it kind of reminds me also of like that cafe culture where it's just like mm-hmm. you sit around and you talk and you it's philosophize. About your time. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It slows the thing down. It's an down. outing. Yeah. Yeah, which honestly I think is like kind of indicative of the 40s, 50s mm-hmm. kind of time period in our history. Like, at that point, I just think of like Mad Men, you know, like <laughs> yes. you're, you're going to restaurants and you're whining and dining people and you were, you know, everything was about like kind of luxury during that time um, because we were just coming out of the war and we were yeah. like, all right, let's let's buy some things and yeah. get, get back on up. <laughs> That's real. Mm-hmm. But it's really your best guess, but it's very recent that it kind of became like the norm to kind of do that, which is interesting too, because I kind of assumed there was going to be like a larger culture that went further back. Of that. Yeah. All the research that I was doing, like honestly could not pinpoint any particular time. And all of them were fairly recently. Like we'll mention some of these desserts in a second here. And like pretty much all of them were in the 1940s or fifties. Hmm. And a lot of it was due to like either the invention of like certain pans or or freezers and stuff like that that made these kinds of desserts um there were like a couple desserts that they were in maybe in like the early 1700s or 1800s but nothing really seemed to be like earlier than that from the things that i was researching so they just really have loved starting to fall deep into that coffee love man yeah (laughs) and i mean even just thinking about like the types of desserts that coffees incorporated with a lot of them are like baked goods which like yeah. you couldn't really make much yeah, earlier precise, than that yeah. you know or it's like with ice cream you couldn't make that yeah, <laughs> earlier than real. a certain point so like there's just certain limitations that i think caused it to be not as widely used in that way yeah so one of my favorite desserts that has coffee is the affogato it's amazing mm-hmm. so it's an italian dessert that really translates to drowned and it gained popularity in italy during the 50s so it's a scoop of plain milk flavored or vanilla gelato <laughs> or ice cream that's topped or drowned with a shot of hot espresso. Mm, mm, mm. 
Sounds so, great. yeah, I mean, it's so simple. It's so delicious. Some variations also include a shot of amaretto or Kahlua or other liqueur, but it's always great because, like, I usually do want, like, a little bit of espresso at the end of a meal, mm-hmm. but I'm like, oh, I also want dessert. So it's like, put the two together. Yeah. Done. Why, why <laughs> limit yourself, you know? Yeah, done. I Don't really care. do love, like, coffee with a dessert, too. Like, that combination is just mm-hmm. so damn good. It is. Again, I think it's like the hot and cold kind yeah. of sensation, too, that just really hits home. Mm-hmm. Another classic would be the tiramisu, of course, <laughs> uh, which pretty much means pick-me-up in English. And mm. it's a wor- now world-famous dessert that consists of espresso-soaked sponge biscuits, also known as ladyfingers, <laughs> that are layered between dollops of sweet mascarpone cream and topped off with a light dusting of cocoa. The tiramisu, if legend is correct, can be credited to an 18th century brothel house madam what? in the northern province of Treviso. She pronounced her invention uh, a powerful aphrodisiac and served it in generous measures to reinvigorate her clients. I love that. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I was like, well, that's going in the notes. That's a good one. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of, that sounds believable, isn't it? It 100% does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, decadent coffee dessert reinvigorates you to, like, yeah. keep on going. Little, like, well, yeah, a little caffeine, a little sugar. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the ticket. So, opera cake is a six-layer affair stacked with three layers of almond sponge soaked with espresso syrup and alternating layers of French buttercream and butter ganache. This originated in the early 1900s and was popularized in the 50s. Definitely super decadent. So decadent. It was delicious. We had it for mm-hmm. their, uh, her partner's like mm-hmm. birthday. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was good. But Lord, yeah. you can't have a lot of it. It's like so no. rich. It's so rich. And it's it, so it just rich. looks so labor intensive. I'm like, 100%. The cake was not ready when we went to go pick it up. And we were literally like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it definitely was super labor intensive. It was an expensive cake. I was like, okay, $70 for one cake. <laughs> yeah but uh it was it. damn good it was like a little cake too i feel yeah, like it, it was not even, that like, big. super huge for like no. 70 dollars. <laughs> yeah when they said the price i was like all right Are you sure? <laughs> well is that or me make it myself and me make it myself was not no happening. did that you hear all those like layers hours oh, literally yeah. there were so many steps mm-hmm. yeah no thank you multiple day process probably yeah mm-hmm and then we, of course, have the Irish coffee, which had a super weird, long, like dramatic <laughs> origin story that basically says that in 1942, on a cold, stormy night, of course, <laughs> a plane had to like turn back to Ireland for some reason. What? There were some weary travelers that packed into this town of Foynes, which was like very common to like treat their you know weary travelers and whatever. <laughs> And there was a local chef that prepared coffee with brown sugar, whiskey, and cream to warm up the travelers. Hmm. After tasting the delightful mixture, one of the passengers piped up and asked, Are these Brazilian coffees? To which Joe replied, No, they're Irish coffees! (laughs) (laughs) And thus the legend was born. That's fantastic. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Why would you ask if they're Brazilian? Yeah, I, I, I was like, that's interesting. Is that what Brazilian coffee tastes like, sir? Oh, man. Uh, I don't understand why a plane, a plane would turn back, also. That's like, I think it was because oh, of the weather. The weather it was too sketch. Around, I mean, like, this oh. was 1942. A yeah, plane was true. not okay. super sound back then. They're still not sound yeah. now. <laughs> All right, fair. 
So there are some things to look for when you're buying your coffee. So some coffee is shade grown and is more likely to be certified organic. Um, fair trade coffee is part of the larger fair trade movement, which arose to ensure that coffee is harvested and processed without child labor and dangerous herbicides and pesticides, and that growers and exporters, particularly in the poorer regions of the coffee growing world, are paid a fair price. So look for fair trade if you can. Yeah. Ideally. <laughs> Always. Always. <laughs> I feel like the there is some dispute, though, as to like, the legitimacy of these standards and like mm-hmm. how well they actually are enforced. But I still think that it's probably is like advisable to choose that over an option that doesn't not claim it vetting anything yeah. at all. You know, like at least making it's something. zero claims. Yeah. <laughs> you're not even looking. Yeah. You're, you're not, not even, yeah. you're not trying to be you're not good. Even trying to be good. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely probably some bad practices. So sus. <laughs> The Rainforest Alliance certification and the Smithsonian Institution's bird-friendly certification oh. are awarded to sustainable shade-grown coffee that protects biodiversity as well. So that's a good thing to look out for, too. That is cool. I don't know if I've ever seen the bird-friendly Yeah, right? One. I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that one. Yeah, what's that symbol look like? <laughs> yeah, show me the seal. <laughs> and, of course, what would an episode be without some fun facts? Uh, some European people reacted to this new beverage with suspicion or fear, calling it the bitter invasion invention of Satan. Wow, puritanical <laughs> freaks. <laughs> the local clergy condemned coffee when it came to Venice in 1615. The controversy was so great that Pope Clement VIII yeah. was asked to intervene. He decided to taste the beverage for himself before making a decision and found the drink so satisfying that he gave it the palpable approval. <laughs> Literally, this man could have been like, no, it is Satan, and then everyone yeah, had no, to Yeah, no one would have drank coffee anymore. <laughs> Thank God he was like, ah, it's actually sense. really good. He's yeah, like, yeah. Mm, so what if it's Satan? It's yeah. delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gave up right on the spot. <laughs> so Teddy Roosevelt himself is counted among America's great coffee drinkers due to his rumored consumption of a gallon of coffee daily. Disgusting. How did you not die sooner? Your heart would have... Ex- I, my heart would explode. Well, His sweats, yeah. the coffee sweats on that man must have been insane. Unreal, yeah. He was probably wearing real heavy coats so you couldn't see any. Yeah, just pit stains <laughs> down to his freaking waistband, man. <laughs> insane. So Roosevelt is also said to have coined Maxwell House's famous good to the last drop slogan after being served the coffee at Andrew Jackson's historical home. Hilarious. I hope that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. I hope it's true as well. So, what's your go-to drink? I think it really depends on so much. On the day, on the coffee shop that I'm getting it from. Yeah, that's right. Like, if I'm getting something from Starbucks, it's 99% of the time going to be a dirty chai tea latte. Mm, Two shots, oat Mm. milk. Mm. Done. Solid. Um, If I'm going to any other coffee shop, I usually don't order that. I'll usually order, like... A latte. I'm really into like honey lavender lattes right now. I'm a fucking sucker for those. Um, Or I will do like maybe a mocha if I'm feeling like I want something sweet in my life still. Um, And I really do love like a cappuccino. Like if I am going to like sit at a coffee shop and have a coffee, like that's probably what I would get. Yeah, I want to start actually going and sitting down and getting like a mug of yeah. coffee and like sit in a coffee shop because it's not something I do very often. 
It's so funny that like there was this whole wave of like having coffee shops everywhere and have like bringing coffee shop culture to America. But yet I feel like in America, we still do not sit in coffee shops and and enjoy coffee at the coffee shop. And like every time I do, I'm like, wow, this is so nice. Or every time I go to a coffee shop and I see someone like working on their laptop and like drinking coffee, I'm like, why am I not doing that? That also looks great. You Mm -hmm. know, like changing your scenery and just it's fun to like, observe in a coffee shop and people watch and um just be out of your own space exactly somewhere new Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's huge and i definitely did that a lot more in like st louis because it was fun to like explore new coffee shops that i hadn't been to before and stuff Mm -hmm. um and i just have such a greater appreciation for like local coffee shops than going to starbucks and stuff you know like starbucks is fine for whatever but like i'm not gonna go to starbucks to sit in a starbucks you know yeah i'd rather like go to a local coffee shop and you know sit and people watch and yeah sip my cappuccino (laughs) we have one on the corner of our block shout out to common cup they are great there they know my order my order is a 16 ounce Honey lavender latte yep. with oat milk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I just like it's so good. Usually it's, so, it's good. so easy to drink. It goes down so quickly and mm-hmm. like I, I love it. But sometimes it is too sweet for me. Yeah. So I'm like, OK, my backup drink is just like a latte. Mm-hmm. Basic. Um, but I do. I love that coffee shop atmosphere, too. And I do love that it usually is an intersection also of like art and yeah. like kind of like culture and. I have a book club that I'm in now, and we meet at Ethereal, which is a coffee shop in Woodstock that's, like, really cute that actually, I think, is also a chocolate shop, and they make their own chocolate, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's one of those places where the people watching is really good, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's usually, like, other kind of meetups and people yes. you always see like friends say, it's like a people community meeting. yeah it's a community it's a because it's a neighborhood thing a lot yeah. of times too like when you do find those local shops it's like they know you you yeah. know like your common cup like mm-hmm. they can they know your order they know your face mm-hmm. the guy when i went lived in st louis like knew my face yeah. knew my order all the time um and it was that. just like so friendly and like we would have conversations about whatever and mm-hmm. um i think it's very like organic to talk to people and meet people in coffee shops Mm -hmm. and there also usually is like some sort of bulletin board of like community events and shit that's going on near you i love that so like i always look at that when i'm waiting for my drink because there's always like a bunch of flyers like stacked by the door and Mm -hmm. yeah there's a big bulletin board that's like covered in different papers and i always like to see what people have posted so absolutely People go out to your local coffee shops and patron these places. Become a regular. <laughs> yeah. And try some different roasts and beverages yeah. and experiment. Yeah. Lord, Sometimes just so pick many. one off the board even or ask the person what it is. Because mm-hmm. like so many times you get caught in routine and like just order the same things over and over. And it's so fun to just like get something new sometimes. Yeah. One thing that I do want to try that I kept seeing in St. Louis a lot. I, I haven't explored here yet, <laughs> but um, there was a lot of like shops offering like espresso tonic things oh, you know i feel yeah. like that's becoming like really popular now too like tonic water with espresso and, yeah like, uh like yeah derek just got one of those recently and he was like he like didn't understand what it was gonna be like when he got it and yeah. when he ordered it and he was like oh it literally is just like espresso yeah literally <laughs> like, yeah. yep it's exactly what it sounds like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but it was cool because it like kind of like separated and was like not fully mixed. It was cool. It, was, it looked really yeah. weird. Yeah, it was there, actually. I think yeah. we had that. 
yeah so that would be something that i want to try because that's like yeah. different the other there. thing that is really popular now too is that like mushroom oh man the mushroom coffee stuff. i get so many ads on my instagram yeah. for that stuff and like i am curious about it i feel like you said that someone you knew tried it and like it still definitely tastes like oh, mushrooms yeah. <laughs> it, it's not really like coffee yeah but it does have some like adaptogens and like good things that it's doing for you that coffee isn't doing for you so yeah absolutely Definitely would be interesting to try. Yeah, and like, I maybe saw it at a Turkish coffee there. shop that's actually in like Lincoln Square area over mm-hmm. here, and uh, I'd never seen it in like a coffee shop advertised before. I was like, hmm. yeah, you guys have this here too, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> huh. well, on that note, yeah, cheers to local coffee shops and getting your roast on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>